Thank you so much for caring about this subject. And thank you for being here. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 42 is where we'll start. And we're going to land in Psalm 77. I believe this is a, um, a, portions, a, a big portion of this message I've preached before. And, but it's been, it was 2020 when I was first here with you. And uh, it was just in the midst of COVID. And it, it stands out here because I think it, it was July of 2020 when I was with you. And I think it was the hottest day of the year, like 112 degrees. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was rough. And you were still doing uh, double services, right, to, to alleviate the crowds, right? And then remember between services, you'd have somebody, I think uh, Brother Hunter would come through and like, you know, get this, you know, poison everything. Amen, right? Kill all the COVIDs. Amen. And, uh, and, and it was just, it was just a, a wild time. And, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know what you did. I think most churches we did. We shut down for a little while, didn't know what was going on. Started to realize, you know, we need to, we need to meet again, right? And uh, um, it's not the same. And uh, if you're watching on live stream and you're sick or whatever, you know, that's, that's you know, of course, this is what that's for. Yeah. If you're just being lazy, shame on you, come back. I'm just kidding. Just, I'm kind of, well, no, I'm actually not kidding. Come to church, all right? Um, and, uh, uh, but we did everything wrong. Um, I'm, I'm not saying just as Christian, just as a, um, as a society, we did everything wrong. I mean, we, uh, we, uh, quarantined the healthy and I'm not trying to get a, I'm not trying to get political or anything like this, but, but we're not designed to live in isolation, right? Um, we talked about this morning, speak to the earth, right? Speak to the beast. They'll teach you. And so we see in God's creation, he's designed some animals to live in isolation, some do, but uh, most or a lot of a lot of creatures they live in packs or herds, right, or family units, and local churches. God designed all that. God designed the the family unit, and then you study the Old Testament and and uh, just the interconnectedness of of Jewish culture. And then when God beautifully designed the local church to uh, to function as as one body, right, as a church family, and so God designed us to live. In community, and then so in 2020, or even even portions of 2021, where we we quarantined and we isolated, and uh, the the issue of the issues of depression and anxiety, they just skyrocketed. Yes, and so let me say that if you're if you are going to start a mental health ministry, do it during a pandemic. All right, I mean it, it, that is just the truth. And so COVID brought the subject of mental health, of mental illness, depression, and anxiety to the forefront, <clears throat> and we couldn't ignore it anymore, <clears throat> right? And unfortunately, there's a stigma involved that's, that's in it, and it's unfortunate, right? And of course, one of my burdens and my hopes is that, that as, I, as I share my story as, as a pastor who left ministry because of depression and anxiety and panic attacks, I, I, I left ministry because of that. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't think I could preach or sing in public ever again, but I'm, I'm preaching again. Amen. So there is healing in Christ Jesus, right? And it's okay to ask for help. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you human. And even pastors. You know, your, your, your pastor and his family, they're not superhuman, right? They're, not, they're, they're wonderful. They're excellent believers, but they are human as well, all right? And let's not put church leaders into this pedestal that's not meant to be. And, and let's give each other grace to all be human and to struggle and to need help, right? And, and to help uh, create this culture at Faith Baptist Church to where you can freely ask for prayer for your 
back problems or your diabetes, but also just have the freedom to ask for prayer for your anxiety and your depression as well. Not be judged, but be heard and validated and loved through that as well. Right? Man, things have changed and since, since 2020, but the message is still the same. Amen. I was, uh, my story is ultimately his story. It's all of us. We all have a story, but it's ultimately his, right? And use it for his glory. I was a full-time youth pastor of 18 years in, in a vibrant ministry when tragedy struck during a missions trip. After four years of severe depression, anxiety, and panic attacks, I left the ministry thinking I was broken in the wrong way, broken beyond repair that I wasn't usable, and so I left the ministry. Here's the truth is I still have scars that can't be seen. I still do have to manage an anxiety issue. I'll talk about that some. And while the darkest clouds of depression have lifted, I I still have to manage those things. I'm not the guy who had an epiphany and snapped out of my depression. That's not me. It was a struggle. It was a battle. It was a journey. It was a climb. I'm not the guy who took hold of one Bible verse or was touched by a sermon or song and pulled myself up by my bootstraps and willed the panic attacks away. That's not me. My story is a whole lot more messy than that. It's messy. It was a process, a humbling journey that included a lot of help from a lot of people. So apologies if you came expecting to hear of the giant killer with five smooth stones and slayed the giant you know, of depression and with one fell swoop. That's not me. And here's the truth. That's not most people. If you're that strong one who just picked yourself up by your bootstraps, right? You just gave it to the Lord and you were all good. Thank God for it. But your job isn't to judge everybody else. Your job is to take that strength and comfort the weak. And support the feeble-minded. And to be patient with all men. And help us learn from you. Right? Just be careful. Let's be careful and let's be loving and let's be curious. I mentioned that in the first hour. Be curious. You know, curiosity curiosity will protect you from being judgmental. All right? As long as you're curious. When we lose curiosity, that means we've got it figured out and nobody else's perspective means anything. Right? And that's where we get judgmental. And so we hear of things like therapy. Like, whoa, Christians shouldn't go to therapy. Be here tonight. Tonight, uh, tonight will not be live streamed because there's a sensitive nature of, of another story I will tell you. Um, in 2014, I'll get into that, is when the drowning occurred while I was in youth ministry. In 2021, I was in a terrible car accident where a, a homeless man ran out in front of my car and he ended up dying. And it was a very traumatic experience for me. And, and this is 2021, and I had to go back into therapy. I'm a pastor. I'm the executive pastor of Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach. And I needed the help of a therapist. And I'll say this. I spent seven, eight, nine days in darkness. But God gave me the opportunity to practice what I preach. And I promise you, seven, eight days of dark struggle is way better than four years. And so tonight, would you come back? Let me tell you what therapy is all about, right? From a biblical perspective, biblical lens. All right? Be curious. If you're against therapy and you've never been in therapy... Hello? <laughs> You've been under the care of the therapist, and you're against it, right? How about just be curious? Now, be curious. Can't live stream it yet because there's some legal ramifications. I was completely cleared of it. I wasn't at fault at all, 100% cleared of it. But 
I, I just still can't have it out in, 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 you know, this, in public yet because there were some, uh, you know, a lawsuit. And I'll talk about that. I'll tell you how scary that whole thing was, even for a preacher who's 47 years old, right? So be curious, right? This morning we talked about how our brains have a mind of its own. We have a central nervous system, amen? It's really handy. How annoying would it be to have to walk around through life and just think, blink, blink, inhale, exhale, blink, don't burp, right? You know what I mean? It would be so annoying if we had to consciously think about all these different processes going on in our body, right? But our brains just take care of that. We don't even have to think about it. Our brains have a mind of its own, and sometimes our brains react in anxiety or panic, and it wasn't a conscious thought, right? It's not a conscious thought. It's just our brains are responding to the environment before we have a chance to consciously think of those things. And so understanding, hey, we do have a central nervous system, and sometimes it takes over, and we have to get a hold of it. Sometimes it, it takes a little bit more effort for some of us in here than for, you know, others what we consider normal people who live in their normal baseline. If you're like me, you don't live in a normal baseline around water, around the ocean. I, I don't. Me and you, we will have very, very different responses to seeing the ocean. It doesn't make me worse or weaker than you. It just makes me different, right? I have a different memory marker in my brain than you do, right? And so we just we extend grace, and we be curious about what's going on in somebody's life. So your brain has a mind of its own. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the pit of depression. Tonight, would you come back? We're going to look at tools through trauma tonight, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven... We need you. I pray that you give me strength in my voice, God. I, I need you in that, but most especially that you would, uh, you would guide my heart, my words, that what I say will, would be understandable, would be glorifying to you, would be biblically correct, God. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so good. We love you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 42, are you there? Psalm 42, verse number 5. The psalmist David, you read through this, you know, this is the, there's a guy that's struggling with something, right? And he says in Psalm 42, verse number 5, says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You know that word cast down, interesting word, it means literally to sink or to depress. Huh. Does the Bible speak to mental illness, mental health issues? Yes, it sure does. The verbiage is different, but it's in there. The Bible has the answers. We just have to know what we're looking for, right? So here's the psalmist He's talking to himself. You catch it there? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You go to a therapist, one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to examine your self-talk. What you are saying to yourself, right? Because we have a tendency as believers, especially as believers, to beat ourselves up, right? To be very judgmental to to ourselves, to be very harsh to ourselves. Now, you think about how gracious you are to other people. Right? We extend grace to people so quickly, but not to ourselves for some, for some reason. Right? We are super hard on ourselves. Somebody makes a mistake, and we want to say, oh, no worries. Right? Yeah. And then we do something. We make a mistake, and we beat ourselves up. Yeah. So why am I such a terrible Christian? Why, can, why, why do I lack so much faith? I mean, oh, there's got to be something. What's wrong with me? Right? We don't extend faith to ourselves. And so one of the first things that therapists can do, they're going to examine what you are saying to yourself. Why? Because what you say to yourself can create a false reality in here. We'll look at that in just a minute. All right? So why art thou cast down, O my soul? It's depression. 
Why art thou disquieted in me? That word disquieted speaks of a, a, a tumult, a commotion, a noise. People who struggle with anxiety live in this world. Would, would, you, would you watch uh, Sunday School Hours uh, a session as we talked about the brain and how those who've been through trauma or, so, or, or live in stress, they live in this reactive emotional world as opposed to the default rational world, how God designed us. And that emotional reactivity is noisy inside. Just, just listen to somebody with anxiety. There's just something inside that just doesn't allow me to have peace. And whether that's in a, a social situation or like me, or if, if you're at a beach, there's just this noise, there's this commotion, there's just this uneasiness, there's this noise inside. Or, or whether you're, you know, whatever, you, you hear something or you smell something or just kind of all constantly live in this commotion. And the psalmist David, he's, he's struggling with depression, he's cast down, he's depressed, and, and he's got this anxiety, this anxiousness in, inside him, and he's wondering what in the world is going on. And he's asking himself these questions, these are good questions. They're legitimate questions. We need to look inside. It's like, why? What's going on inside of me? It says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why art thou cast down? Let's try to answer this question. And and everybody's going to be a little bit different, right? But how about for you? Why are you cast down, right? Why, why Why do we get sunken? Why do we get depressed? Now, our brains have this natural negative bias to it, right? We don't know exactly why. I imagine it's just a product of the fall, the curse, right? We have this natural negative bias. Our brains latch on to negative stuff more easily and with a stronger grip than positive stuff. And we could see this happening in the brain, right? Um, brain re- neuroscientists can you know, hook up these electrodes and, and our brains are literal. There's a, a literal electricity pulsing through our brains and, the, and there's different portions of the brains that light up based on different, different things. We have the emotional part of our brain and, and the, the motivation part of our, different things that happen. So let's just say this. We can see this happening in the brain. Where my hands are is just a healthy baseline for our mental health, right? This is where we should be. Now, because our brains are more reactive to negative things, it affects us more strongly. Our brains light up, the emotional part of our brain light up um, more strongly and stay lit up um, for longer periods of time when something bad happens to us as compared to something good. All right? So let's say you're, uh, um, you're uh, let's illustrate it this way. Um, I've, I've raised four children. Uh, they're now 25 down to 20, all right? And, and I love my kids now. I love them now. <laughs> I'm just, just being real, all right? There were, there were, some, there were some seasons, amen? But they, they love the Lord, and I, I do love them. I, I love them, I do. But let's just say you, you, could, you could probably picture these things. Like, um, you moms, you remember... Um, uh, or maybe you're going through this, uh, feeding your children breakfast, and you've worked so hard. And, and uh, on Saturday, you invite them to, to come or get them away from the Saturday cartoons. I don't even know if that's still a thing, right? But it was when I was a kid. And then you lay out that spread of, of, of cereals, amen, right? You've got the Kellogg cereals, the Post, and, and whatever different things. I mean, you worked hard to put those boxes on the table, yeah. amen? And your, 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 kids came, uh, uh, your, your kids came to the table and they said, good morning, mother, 
And he said, did you do your devotions? Oh, yes, mother. I enjoyed the Proverbs and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Ecclesiastes this morning. And they sat down and they, they ate their cereal. And, and let's just say this was last week, whatever. And, and they got themselves, they, everybody got themselves dressed for church. Nobody's fighting. You get in the car. You're able to, you were able to do your makeup and hair at home. Right, and you get to you get to church, and you get to church, and and you lady somebody somebody looks at you, and then one friend says, "Wow, you look beautiful today." Wow, that that that'd be positive, right? That would feel good, right? But well, let's uh, let's just say it wasn't exactly like that, right? And uh, uh, the kids uh, come to the table, right? You put out, you work, you put out those cereals, right? And the same cereals they liked yesterday, they hate this morning, right? Nobody read their Bibles. They go away from the table, right? And they start, they start fighting. You're trying to drink your coffee. Can't even get to your coffee, amen? Your coffee that doesn't come from a Keurig. Come on, Brother Carlo, all right? But comes from a, an espresso machine, all right? And you didn't get a chance to drink your, 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 your coffee, and they're fighting. And so you're trying to put out fires, and you, you can't get your makeup done. And so you get everybody into the, uh, in, into the car, and uh, you're running late. And, so, and you're, you're a, um, your husband thinks that, you know, you're, you're a NASCAR trying to, get to, uh, trying to get to church. You're trying to put your makeup on, but it is just a mess. And you get sweaty, right? You come into the church, and you're sweaty, and you walk into church. You just barely made it, right? And somebody looks at you and says, well, you look tired today. <laughs> Don't tell people we look tired, right? We know what that means, Right? And so that would just, it would hurt, right? So look, it would feel good if someone says you look beautiful, but it hurts more to be told you look tired than it feels good to be told you look beautiful, right? That's how our brains work. The negative stuff hits us harder than the positive stuff does. That's just what happens in our brains. All right, so let's go back to our healthy baseline. So this is a baseline for, for mental health. We're, we're doing well here. But let's say, all right, you, you, uh, you just barely made it to church and somebody, uh, um, somebody said you look tired, all right? You get, you get, you get popped down, right? But you, you get blessed by, by a good sermon. You get popped up a little bit. And so Monday morning comes around and it's just Monday morning, all right? And so you get popped down a little bit, all right? And then you get to work and somebody uh, um, compliments your shoes. You get popped up a little bit, right? And then you get home, and uh, your child brings home a, a bad report card, and you get you know, uh, popped down a little bit. And you get to come back to church on Wednesday night or whenever it is that you gather on, on the midweek, you get popped up a little bit. You get a, you get a, you get a little bit of encouragement. So, so hold on a second. Look at just what's happened. We've had, what I've given you is equal number of positive and negative events, right? But what's happened? You're cast down. You're depressed. You've sunken a little bit, but it shouldn't be this way. But because our brains latch on and are affected by the negative much more powerfully than the positive, we find ourselves cast down. So this is what we need in order to just to stay healthy, all right? Sunday, somebody told you you, uh, you look tired, you get, you get popped down. Right, but you were you were completely engaged in worship and singing to the Lord, and you got blessed. Right, you had a great conversation with somebody at church, and you got blessed. Um, you you uh, you got blessed by the sermon, you got popped back up. Monday comes, and it's just Monday, so you get popped down. Right, but somebody uh, um, 
Tom, put them under your shoes. You get popped up a little bit. And somebody, you get a text from somebody in church telling you they're, they're praying for you. You get popped up a little bit, right? You get home, and, and uh, your, your husband brought you flowers, and you get popped up a little bit. And then Tuesday comes, and you get caught in traffic, and you're late for, uh, you're, you're late for work. Uh, but then, but then once you listen to a, a great sermon or podcast on the way to work, and so you get popped up a little bit. And you made it to church on Wednesday. You got blessed. You got popped up a little bit, right? And then you had a coffee appointment with a, uh, with, with, with a friend, and, and you just you, you shared blessings or you shared burdens with one another, and you got popped up a little bit. And so this is a number that I arbitrarily came up with, all right? And, it, it, and everybody's different, right? But because how, we know how the brain works, and if we just have equal amounts, positive or negative, we'll be sunken or depressed or cast down. Yeah. Us just as humans, we need more wins than losses. Yeah, exactly. We need more positive stimuli the negative stimuli. And so this is one thing, just as a church family, if we're aware of, and we go at it with this mentality, I need to give my church family some wins. I got to get them some positive um, stimuli. And everyone can do this, right? It's so easy now with text messaging. If you're like my wife, she's an introvert, right? If you call her, decline, (laughs) right? Just text my wife. All right? Text her and you'll be fine. Right? And, and all the introverts know what I'm talking about. Right? But now, every single one of us, gonna, we can shoot out a text of encouragement. You can write out a note. It's still, isn't it special to get a handwritten note? Someone thanking you or encouraging. You could write a note or go and make a phone call. Someone hasn't been to church. You make a phone call and, and tell somebody that you missed them. It's going to pop them up a little bit. Because you, we don't know what anybody's going through in here. But we can assume that we're all just kind of doing this. And we need this, right? So why are we cast down? For some people, if you're like me, it was one big, huge, catastrophic, traumatic event. In 2014 and then 2021, one big, huge, catastrophic, traumatic event, right? But for most people, nothing big happened, but just a bunch of stuff that just adds up, right? death by a million different tiny microscopic cuts and those are important and are valued by God as well and they need to be valued by us as well and as a church family just be mindful everyone needs an encouragement some type of encouragement so don't be so much in a rush when you're at church don't use the word the the term how are you as a greeting right as Americans, that's just the standard reading. How are you? We actually don't care. <laughs> we don't. But we can change that and actually sit down with somebody and say, how are you? Right? Let's talk. Everyone can do that. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Would you go to Psalm 77? And we're going to spend the balance of our time here. And let's go verse by verse, take an expository, expositional study on the Subject of depression. So, wow. We can do a Bible study on depression? Absolutely. Like I said, it's here. The answer's in the Bible. We just have to know what we're looking for, right? We don't know much about the man Asaph we're going to study. We just know the book of Psalm, the Psalm 77 is a psalm of Asaph. We do know he was a leader of some sort in Israel. We get this idea that he was in music ministry of some sort. And something bad happened to him. What we're going to look at is 
trauma-induced depression. And no matter what your struggle may be, all right, whether it's one big traumatic event or just a whole bunch of little stuff that's added up, right, right, some of these things are going to resonate with you. And the answers, the answers are, they may sound simplistic, but it's a matter of putting them to action, right? And one thing to keep in mind, whether you are struggling or take this as preventative uh, maintenance, or you want to support somebody who's struggling, all right? It's rarely, if ever, like one concept, one thing that heals somebody from their depression or anxiety. It's typically a package of things that need to be implemented, and it's usually a process for someone to heal from, uh, from depression or anxiety. And so we're going to just take this look, this real intimate look at depression here, Asaph's depression in Psalm 77. Look at verse number 2. It says there, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the day of my trouble. So we don't know what happened to Asaph, but we know that there was something, one very specific event that troubled him, that cast him down. My day of trouble that I'll speak about this morning was July 26, 2014. I was a full-time youth pastor for 18 years, and I was getting ready. I was starting the transition out of youth ministry. I wasn't burnt out. I didn't feel like I, I didn't have it in me anymore, but I just felt like it was time to do so. And we were doing one last missions trip with the young people, and we had taken 15, 16 different missions trips with our, with our, with our teens and, and, and loved it. We've been to places like Alaska and India and Fiji and Romania and Indian reservations and Mormon country and Utah, and everything was amazing. And, and always loved seeing young people lead their first soul to Christ, and, and just having a good time with young people was amazing. And this was my last missions trip decided to go to Washington State and help a church planter up there. And so we we ran a vacation Bible school. Everything was great. Kids were getting saved. Saturday came, and we made our last visits and went to to all these different families, invited parents to come and siblings to come on Sunday. And we had a lot of people commit to come. It was exciting. Saturday night, we decided to just have a bonfire at a a beach up there. And... uh, Our host pastor took us to ocean shores, and we brought our pallets of wood, and young people jumped out of the van. They were excited and uh, jumped out, parked right there on the sand, and we had to dig our own pit, our own fire pit. And so I got the kids jumped out of the van and says, hey, Jay, can we go out into the water? I said, yeah, man, go have a good time. And most of the kids went out to play in the water. But one young man, his name is Paul, one of the best Christians I've ever known, one of the best Teenager, adult, whatnot, one of the greatest, one of the best Christians I've ever known. He was so in love with Jesus Christ. At the time he was 18 years old, he was so in love with Jesus Christ that he wanted to be a missionary to North Korea. That's how crazy he was about Jesus, right? And so, of course, this was just completely in Paul's um, character. He wasn't going to let me dig this pit himself. He said, hey, Jay, I'll help you with it. And so that meant he took over with the, <laughs> with, with, the, with the shovel, started digging, and I stood over to the side and talked to him, right? And he dug the pit, and, and we got the pallets and our wood up there, got the wood, uh, the fire started, things started to blaze. And Paul said, hey, can, are we good, Jay? I was like, yeah, we're good. Get out in the water. He goes running out to the water. And so I take a look where the kids were, and they were out just a little bit further out, in the water than I expected them to be. And so I went out right to the, the surf line over there just to take a look. And, and, just be, and because, even though they were a little bit further out than I expected them to be, it was such a gently sloping beach there that they weren't deep at all. 
It was about knee level. Some swells would come up to the thighs or, or waist level. And so I watched that. And, and so they weren't very deep. And, and the, the waves had multiple breaks, but they weren't powerful. Nobody was getting jostled around. And then I looked for rock outcroppings. This is youth pastor eyes. Got to make sure everybody's safe. And there were no rock outcroppings to make everything, you know, for, for anything to be dangerous. And, and I just took a look around and deemed everything to be safe. Right? Everything I could think of. And I just stood there and I thanked the Lord that I could do this for 18 years of my life and, and help young people have a good time, show them how to lead people to Christ and walk with God, and knowing that I only had a couple more months in youth ministry. There were a few young people at the, at the fire and they said that I, I was probably, I stood there for maybe 15 minutes and didn't realize it was that long, just thanking God. So eventually I, I left from there and I went over to back to the fire pit, and the fire pit's burning. We're fellowshipping there with the pastor, a couple other young people, and I put myself on the side of fire that I could still see my young people and keep an eye on everything. They're just having a good time. I love it. One of the young ladies came out from the water, and she, just, she was soaking wet, and she just wanted a, place, a discreet place to change. And so the van was parked right there on the sand, and so it wouldn't be discreet. So I got in the, I got in the van. She just waited for me, and, and I was going to move the van, it got stuck in the, in the sand a little bit. I had to jostle it back and forth for it to get unstuck. I finally backed it out, circled the, the, the area a little bit, tried another spot, got stuck in this. I just didn't want to get stuck in the sand, but I needed a discreet place as well. Tried another spot and finally found a spot that was, it felt stable enough for the van and discreet for her to change. And so I turned off the engine, and as, and as soon as I opened up the door, the first screams of medical responders, emergency responders, were just rushing towards the shore. And I knew it was my young people, my kids were in trouble. I knew it right away. At this point, one of the young men, a boy by the name of Tyler, comes running to the, the fire. And, and he says, Angel's still out there. Angel's one of our senior young men, another young man who's surrendered his life to the ministry. And we go running towards the, the spot where there's already an ambulance and, and a couple uh, you know, police cars and strangers from the, from the beach just enjoying the day, everybody looking out. And, and, and I see Angel, he's hunched over. I don't remember who was with him helping him. He's hunched over and he's throwing up seawater. I was like, oh, praise the Lord, Angel's here. And then I started to count young people I needed to get to 12. And then somebody says, Paul's still out there. And I just fell to my, I don't remember falling to my knees. The young people said I fell to my knees. I do remember praying. I says, God, you have to push him in. You have to push him in. I remember getting up and we would walk. We walked the shore with emergency responders. And, and one of the firefighters had this device that would uh, shoot out a flotation device out. I mean, hundreds of yards. And he said, so everybody just look. If you see somebody out there, I could fire this thing out. And I was purposely getting in front of the crowd because I, I knew at this point, if God was going to push him in, he was going to need to be resuscitated. I already knew that. And I wanted to be the first one to give him his first breaths and then let the paramedics take over. All the while praying, God, you have to let me, please let me make this right. Please push him in. Please let me make this right. At a certain point, I knew he was in heaven. His body never washed up on shore. Never recovered. Had to make the most difficult phone call I've ever made in my life to his dad that night. And then I just descended into this pit of depression, of guilt, of shame. I struggled for four years with this thing, hiding it because thinking that it just felt dirty. 
I felt like I was hiding this dirty secret, yeah. right? Not getting the help, not talking to anybody, and eventually turning into panic attacks in about year three. When those panic attacks got so severe, I was like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't be in front of people. This is good. I'm not going to do this in front of 400, 500 people in my church. Right. And I resigned from the ministry thinking I was completely done. So that was my day of trouble. And it's, it's awful. It's a dark, lonely, lonely place. Yeah. You get to a place where some people feel like they want to end their lives. I wondered why I was even born, I guess, much like Job did, right? Feeling so worthless, hopeless, and just wanting to stop being sad, but have, not having the ability to do so. And then the panic attacks are scary, scary things. That was my day of trouble. And so here's what the pit of depression looks like from Asav and even my perspective. Would you look at verse number two again? In all in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be, my soul refused to be comforted. What an interesting statement. There's, there's something deep down inside that really concerned Asab. He's like, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm seeking God. So this isn't a man who's walked away from God, that in, in his bitterness has stopped praying to God. He has sought the Lord, but this thing continues to have this stronghold on him, and there's something deep down inside of him, his soul, the very essence of him that is refusing, refusing to be comforted. And it's a strange, scary sensation because I had been discouraged before. You don't, you're, you don't serve in ministry for 18 years. You don't serve as a youth pastor working with junior hires and high schoolers for 18 years without going through some seasons of sometimes even deep discouragement. But this was a whole different monster. And all the things that used to get me, at least get me through some of my discouraging times did not comfort me at all. And sometimes they even aggravated my pain. And it was scary because I assumed I was doing something wrong. There's something wrong with my walk with God. And I was continuing to read the Bible. And I was continuing. I prayed more than I ever prayed in my life. I, I continued to go soul winning. And I was preaching and counseling and all these different things. And I still couldn't be comforted. So number one, there's this sensation of being stuck. My soul refused to be comforted. And here's the thing. Remember, we talked about examining the self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? You know what I was saying to myself constantly? I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. Just fine. You can fail and not be a failure. But then it took this dark turn to I'm a failure. Now, that's a problem, right? And I was constantly saying, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. And the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart... So is he. That's why it's important to examine your self-talk. What are you saying to yourself, right? Because that's what I was meditating on. I'm a failure. And so even though that was not the truth, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, that's what I had become in my mind. It wasn't true, but in my, my mind created this false reality that I was a failure, I was worthless, I I didn't deserve to be in ministry. I didn't deserve to live all those deep, dark thoughts. Why? Because of my self-talk, because of what I was meditating on. And so sometimes, I mean, you have to be very careful. If you've been through something painful, 
you're going through something painful, sometimes you need to talk it out with somebody. Why? So they can help point you the right direction and help remind you, help guide your thoughts and help remind you that you're, you're not a failure. You are valued by God. God does love you. And just, you need to have those positive, informa- uh, those positive affirmations because, hey, when you're depressed, you're doing this to yourself. And you need somebody to help give you these, right? But I kept descending deeper and deeper and deeper into this because that's how I was killing myself. I was killing myself. Look at verse number three. I remember God and was troubled. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Spiritual anguish, number two. Spiritual. So number one, there's, there's the sensation of being stuck. My soul refused to be comforted. Number two, the depressed will often experience the spiritual anguish. It says, I remembered God and was troubled. Well, hold on a second, Asav. How could God is our Father? He's Abba. He's our, he's the, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. How can you remember, think about God and be troubled? And I remember, hey, a lot of these things are coming through from, from pain. But because our brains are not in rational mode, they're in reactive emotional mode, it's going to cause us sometimes to have trouble with some spiritual concepts. Right? Let me give you an example. I was told to read the Psalms when I was depressed. For some people, I can see that. I could understand that being a comfort. For me, the Psalms are very painful. Just let me give you a thought. I'm not saying it's bad to read the Psalms. Maybe if you're like me, the Psalms are, you know that Psalms are really emotional, right? They are intensely emotional and very, very personal. And for me, it kicked up my emotions, right? So I was, then, when I finally got under a therapist, spoiler alert, a Christian therapist, all right? I was told to read the Gospels and just get to know Jesus on a really intimate level. I'm going to talk about that tonight. It's powerful. I read the Gospels. But I remember just painfully going through through the Psalms, and running into Psalms 127, verse 2. Don't turn there, because i got to finish up here. Psalm 127, verse 2 says, He giveth his beloved sleep. That hurt me so bad. I couldn't sleep. The depressed, perhaps a lot, of, a lot of depressed people just can't sleep. Actually, people have trouble sleeping. I just couldn't. I'm trying everything. Melatonin, chamomile tea. I feel like a hippie, Right? <laughs> Who drinks chamomile tea? I was trying everything I could, right? I just needed to sleep, right? And then I come across this verse. He says, he giveth his beloved sleep. What am I supposed to do with that? I remember just saying, God. I was like, God, this verse says, you give your beloved sleep. I believe I'm your beloved. God, I, I believe you love me. Why won't you give me sleep? Do you understand what I'm talking about, the spiritual anguish? And could you give me a good answer for that? Of course you can't, right? And that's okay, right? Just say, man, I, don't try to make stuff up. Somebody comes to you. They're struggling. They're hurting. They come to you. But I'm trying to sleep, and, and I know God loves me. This verse says it's a promise. He gives us a beloved sleep. He loves me, but I can't sleep. What am I supposed to do with that? That's right. You just heard about it, Right? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that for people who are struggling. Other than the fact that I say I understand. I understand. You're sick. You're not well right now. You'll be okay. Right? You'll be okay. Sometimes there's spiritual anguish. So let's be patient with people who are going through that. And you be patient with yourself. Some of you are going to have thoughts. I'm like, God, you're going to have questions. And it's okay to ask questions. 
understand God can handle your hard questions. He's a big God. We talked about Job a little bit this morning. Job asked some hard questions. And guess what? God still blessed him in the end. God is a big God. He can handle our hard questions. He already knows you're thinking them, so go ahead and you know, say it to him. Ask him. There's spiritual anguish. All right? um, there's sleep issues. There's verse number four. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Sleep issues. There's silence. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. And this is something that helps. It just causes this cycle, this downward cycle. It just snowballs. You can't sleep and you won't talk. I said, we'll talk about that tonight. Very huge, all right? Very huge. Now you're, you're getting, we're looking at the pit of depression. Don't, don't miss the good part, all right? You'll be messed up for life. No, I'm just kidding. Fear-mongering, and it's terrible, I know. But come back tonight and get the good part as well. All right. And then we see these silly thoughts. Look at verse number 7. Remember, this is Asav, a leader in Israel. Silly thoughts. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Hold on. We know that God delights in mercy. And here's someone that's supposedly a mature spiritual leader in Israel asking if God is, going, is not going to be merciful. Doth his promise fail forevermore? We know that God keeps his promises, but here's a man struggling in pain, wondering if God will keep his promises. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? We know that the very essence of God's character is love and grace. And here's a man struggling with God's grace. Silly thoughts. Remember, hey, it's the reactive, emotional part of the brain as, a part, as opposed to the rational part of the brain that has taken over. All right, so here's the solution in verse number 10. All right, this is just the tip of the iceberg. All right, tip of the iceberg. Look at verse number 10. And I said, this is my infirmity. This is Asaph. So he's gone through these, this, this rant, and it's, it's emotional anguish. There's no doubt. This is all emotional anguish, right? And so here's the solution. The first thing says, this is my infirmity. You know what that word infirmity means? Literally, it means illness. Isn't that interesting? It means illness, sickness, disease, right? Talking about emotional struggle. And he said, this is my sickness. I'm sick, right? So number one, it starts with an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. You know, we do not get better. We do not grow until we first acknowledge what we're struggling with or what our deficit is, our deficiency is. We do not grow or get better. If you have a, a problem with your temper, you'll not get better if you're in denial of it, yeah. right? It's just in any area of your life. You have, to, you have to acknowledge it first, or you won't grow. You have to acknowledge the depression and anxiety first, or you won't heal. This right. is my infirmity. Yeah. But he says this, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Yeah. Right, remember? Hey, our brains, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The depressed, it just snowballs. Negative thoughts. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. How could I'm not good, good enough? All these different things. And so there has to be an intentionality to change your thoughts. He says here, I will remember the years of the Most High, right? And so we intentionally change our thinking by writing it down. That's how intentional it is. Because you can be sitting, doing work, you know, trying to do work or driving, and these thoughts are just going to bombard you. And so the only way to intentionally fight that is when you have the opportunity to sit and write or type or put it in there, positive things. I know it sounds like power of positive thinking. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But we have a biblical precept here. I will remember. I will remember. So instead of remembering all the bad stuff that just automatically bombard you, 
the positive stuff isn't coming automatically, so it has to be put, it has to be proactive and intentional. And you keep a journal and you write things down, or you type things down, or you, you put it on your phone or what have you, so it gets your brain, your brain uh, cycle changed. And remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Verse number 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And so I got stuck in July 26. And a lot of that is obviously part of the trauma in there. You know, I couldn't help my nightmares, right? Those will come. But in my waking hours when I could, as I'm guided through that, I could sit down every single day. I had an appointment with my digital journal, and I'd type out good things, good memories about Paul, about God, most specifically. Verse number 12, I will also meditate of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Talking is huge. We'll talk about that tonight. And then verse number 13, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? And then lastly, here's a solution. Go to church. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. This is a sanctuary. It should be. The church should be a hospital for hurting people. Amen. And I believe, I, I believe, I believe it is. I know your, your pastor's heart and Stephanie's heart. I, 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 I understand. They, they want this to be a hospital for hurting people and have a culture that says, it's okay if you're not okay. It's okay if you're not okay. We're going to walk with you. We won't have all the answers, but at least we can be there with you. And so you lean heavily on your church family. You know, nicely, I understand sometimes you want to be alone for different seasons, but we're not designed to live in isolation. We're designed by God to live in family units, and then God designed the local church for us to be vibrantly a part of. Not to just attend on Sunday mornings, but to be a vibrant, vital part of a church family. We're just around people. We'll give you positive affirmations. Start this culture. As I know, I've got to give my brothers and sisters some wins. I'm going to send out some texts. I'm going to write notes. I'm going to set up coffee appointments. I'm going to, do, I'm going to be proactive in this. I don't know what people are going through, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to build relationships so we can sometimes speak hard truths. Sometimes it's part of it, but it's all about having strong relationships so we can speak those hard truths. At times. It's the pit of the depression. Sometimes we fall into this thing. Sometimes we do put ourselves in there. I get that. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. There are solutions. It's a God that loves you and has a great plan for your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed.